The Lifestylist, episode 190, featuring Luke Story. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Let's talk about one of my favorite biohacks, and that is red light therapy. Now, to me, the most powerful biohacks are the ones that harness or mimic nature, and that's exactly what red light therapy does. It concentrates a very narrow spectrum of red light that's produced by the sun in the morning and evening. However, you don't need to go out into the sun for hours to get it. You can do it in about 10 minutes in your own home. Now, my favorite red light therapy company is Juve. That's J-O-O-V-V. They're FDA cleared and deliver clinical power with a new modular design that's really easy to customize and set up anywhere in your home. Now I have the one panel here in my podcast studio and I haven't had a chance to build on it, but even the one's good enough for me. I just have to turn to the front and the back every morning. And by the way, this is part of my every morning routine when I'm in town. In fact, if you want to learn a lot more about red light therapy, you can go back and listen to episode 169, where I interviewed the guys from Ju, not just about their device, but about photobiomodulation, this therapy, the science behind it, where it comes from, etc. So that's episode 169. Now I've been using my Ju since 2017, and I've seen two major changes. A huge advantage from recovering from workouts. I'm, I have almost zero soreness in my muscles and my joints when I go like really bust ass in the gym. So the recovery is major. And then a massive testosterone boost. Now, a few years ago when I was in my early 40s, my T levels were really low, like around the 400s. Now I'm in my late 40s and depending on when I check them, I'll be anywhere from 600 to 800. And that's been a game changer for me. So... Here's what's up. If you want to check out the Juves, you're going to go head over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. And what I'm really excited about over there is they've got a new handheld device. It's called the Juve Go, and it gives you all the same Juve power, but it fits in the palm of your hand so you can travel with it. So I'm definitely getting one of these ASAP. So get over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. When you check out making a purchase, use the code Luke and they're going to send you a free gift. You are listening to a bootleg broadcast special release episode of the Lifestylist podcast. This is a talk that I did recorded live in Los Angeles at Neil Strauss's Society International Biohacking Intensive, all about becoming limitless using nootropics and smart drugs to enhance your cognition, memory, performance, and creativity. I pull out all the stops in this one threw a mic on for my talk. So obviously keep in mind, this is to a room full of people and uh, the sound will not be what it normally is on an episode. There'll be things that I perhaps uh, demonstrate, body language, et cetera, that you will not be able to clue into because you're only hearing the audio. But that said, there was enough information there that I thought it would be useful because many of these tools, tactics, and strategies I've been putting together for many, many years And this particular topic, you know, how to improve brain function is a question that I get a lot. And so I wanted to make sure to put this one out 
and give you guys the inside scoop. But before I do, before that drum roll, before we rock the mic in this one, I really implore you to tune in on Tuesday. In fact, don't even tune in on Tuesday. Just subscribe to this podcast right now. Like literally pause this, find the app that you're listening to this on and click subscribe on the Lifestylist podcast because Tuesday show the 5G EMF apocalypse and why health food won't save you with Dr. Jack Cruz. Number 191 that comes out Tuesday is going to change your life. Honestly, if you care at all about your health, you just, I'm serious. You just have to listen to that episode. It was actually recorded uh, at the hotel where we did this event. I was able to grab Jack and we did about three hours with this guy. He's a neurosurgeon, brilliant, brilliant guy. And I asked him every question that I've been wanting to ask him. I've interviewed him a couple of times before. Jack is no stranger to the show. But uh, if you're a fan of Jack Cruz, if you heard him on my show before, or if you just want to learn why our world is turning into quite literally a microwave oven and what you can do about it, you definitely want to tune in for the show on Tuesday. So just subscribe and save yourself from having to remember. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of remember, if you want to get an email every week uh, with announcements of this podcast and the show notes and all of the links and everything we talk about it uh, sent directly to your inbox, Super easy to make that happen. There's two ways you can do it. You can go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter and sign up. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Or even easier, if you have a US phone, just text the word lifestylist to the number 44222. That's all one word, lifestylist to the number 44222. And every Tuesday and sometimes Fridays, which would have been the case today had you already been signed up since this bonus show is coming out on a Friday, I will email you every bit of information talked about in that particular episode. So it's a very high value newsletter. I respect your inbox. I hate spam. I unsubscribe from like 10 things a day. I can pretty much guarantee you if you're into health and wellness and spirituality, you're not going to unsubscribe from my newsletter because I don't send you any weird, dumb stuff. I just send you badass free content. So lukestory.com forward slash newsletter or text the word lifestylist to 44222. All right, so I've got an upcoming event. I'll be speaking, no, not speaking. Wait, it's much more than that. I'll be presenting a fantastic transformative workshop called the High Love Experience at Rama in Venice, February 23rd, 7 to 10 p.m. That's next Saturday, guys. That's coming up. If you want to come hang out with me and 50 or 60 Lifestylist podcast listeners, do some kundalini yoga, some breath work, dive deep into the love inside you and what's blocking it, then go to lukestory.com forward slash events to get your ticket if it's not already sold out. It might be. Don't blame me if it is. I don't keep track of these things. I record the intros and outros in advance, you know, is what happens. And sometimes they sell out. So don't play yourself. Uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get over to lukestory.com forward slash events and come see me and a bunch of listeners at Rama Venice, February 23rd. Okay, here's what I talk about in this particular presentation at the Neil Strauss Intensive, uh, all about fixing your damn brain. First off, how you can find the root cause of your brain fog, then the critical role of a meditation practice in maximizing your brain's potential and how you can create your own meditation practice. How a float tank can help those who struggle with traditional meditation practices. What you can do to take control of your nervous system responses. The stimulating power of binaural beats and essential oils. What you can eat to stimulate brain function. How to increase your focus using nootropics and why I'm confident that most of them are not harmful or addictive. 
the value of microdosing psychedelics and what you need to know to avoid a real trip, why multitasking is the most dangerous habit you can have when it comes to your productivity, managing your time like a boss using the Pomodoro method, and the medical value of cannabis and CBD. So this talk, my friends, is going to light your brain up. It's going to help your productivity. It's just going to make you hella smarter. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. So it brings me great pleasure to present this bootleg broadcast of the Lifestylist podcast to you. Make sure and share it with a friend, and I'll see you next Tuesday with Dr. Jack Cruz. So we're going to be talking about becoming limitless. And this is really about brain function, about the ability to be in flow state, to be creative, to have cognitive power, to be able to focus, to be able to have a goal, a mission, a vision, and use your mind, use your brain uh, in a way that's effective. And so there's a number of different tools that I've found over the years that really work. And for me, this comes out of, um, you know, as I, as I mentioned yesterday in my first talk, Really, the, the beginning interest in this 22 years ago was just out of desperation because I really damaged my brain in the way that I lived as a kid. I, I was doing cocaine when I was eight, nine years old. And I'm not, you know, I'm not bragging or trying to sound sensational. It's just, you know, smoking weed every day from, you know, nine to 26, with the exception of a two-year break when I was locked in this weird boarding school. It's another story I don't want to digress to. But by the time I was 26 years old, I was essentially non-functional and in many, I mean, I wouldn't say brain dead might be an exaggeration, but I had a very hard time doing the most simple tasks and was relatively unemployable. And the only thing I could really do was wait tables. And I couldn't even really do that because there was too much to, to manage. So I'm a guy that's really, I think, you know, created a lot of intelligence that perhaps was dormant or, or at least repaired my brain to a certain degree where it's still functional. But because a lot of things Jack Cruz just talked about, environmental, EMFs, early diet, drug abuse, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can't just like eat eggs and healthy fats and get some good sleep and feel like I'm super on point. I just don't. I don't know. I, I need extra help. And so some of the things we're going to cover, some natural, some not, are ways that I use to really boost it up when I've got to perform. Okay. So the first thing you want to look at if you're experiencing brain fog and you're like, God, I used to be brighter. I've gone dull. What could be the problem? We always want to go to the root cause. And some of the things that can have to do with that, of course, were just mentioned. I mean, a lot of the things that are going to make it easier for parasites and heavy metals and inflammation and leaky gut and all of these uh, sort of root cause systemic issues that we have is due to blue light, EMF, all that stuff. So I'm going to not keep like piggybacking on that, but I just want to, I fully agree that these are fundamental issues. But these manifestations are some of the things that can really affect the way your brain functions or not. And so my first line of defense is always to do testing. You know, I'm a huge fan of functional medicine because that's a way you can go and have a little more uh, autonomy in terms of dealing with your own biology and, and learning versus, you know, the old, you know, purely allopathic model. And I listen, if I get hit by a car, please take me to an allopathic medical hospital, okay? I'm not, you know, anti-medicine at all. However, I know anytime I have something, I go in and they're like, oh, you have a symptom? Cool. Like, here's a drug or here's a surgery for the symptom. And I don't find that to be very effective. Whereas on the functional medicine model, you know, I actually get to learn about some of my labs and sit down with the doctor and have an hour consult instead of eight minutes. And they explain, well, you might be able to eat this or move in this way or sleep more or this or that. Here's how we can deal with the parasites, the heavy metals, if we want to do chelation, et cetera. And then I can start looking at the root causes. So that's going to be my first recommendation. If you feel like your brain doesn't work 
the way it used to or the way that you'd like it to, you have to look at some of these fundamental things that might be uh, at the core. Now we're going to go purely not, well, I guess not scientific because there's a lot of science now to support meditation. But without a practice of meditation for the many years that I've been doing it, I would never be able to function in the way that I do. I feel I'm a pretty productive guy. I, I feel that I contribute a lot to the world. I feel very good about my life where it is right now. I'm doing some great things that um, feel really good to me on a fundamental human soul level. And I know for a fact that if I miss my meditations, I'm much able to do that. And this is part science, part spiritual. And that is, I personally benefit so much from start, and this goes back to the morning routine I talked about yesterday, in not only having a meditative practice where I have a set aside time where I'm disassociating from my thoughts and feelings and identifying the more true or the more consistent or the timeless sense of myself, I would say part of myself, but really my whole self, my higher self, my soul, the part that's inhabiting this vehicle we call a body. I like to call it a meat suit because that's basically what it is. Uh, but I'm going to go through the world using up and burning so much mental energy, trying to arrange life to meet my instincts and to meet the demands of my emotions that are always changing, the demands of my thoughts that I'm putting really strong emotional belief into in some cases. And without a practice of meditation, I'm going to be constantly burning energy trying to manage reality rather than having a more zoomed out objective perspective on my reality because I've not only meditated, but I'm taking that meditative perspective into my life. So I meditated this morning, briefly, albeit, because I had to be here at eight to uh, you know get set up, which is a little bit before the hour I'd normally be out in the world doing anything. But without that sense of meditation this morning and practicing for a number of years now, uh, I would be sitting here much more concerned and caught in my head and much less in my heart. I'm able to stand here now and observe that, sure, my ego's here. I want to sound relatively intelligent. I, I want people to like me. Okay, some of those natural instincts are at play. But there's also a part of me that's kind of over here observing Luke doing his Luke thing and you guys doing your listening thing. Do you see what I'm saying? So if I see a thought that's like, oh, that sounded stupid, that thought is no longer who I am and I'm not stepping into that going, oh, I'm getting all nervous. I just go, oh, that's interesting. Thanks, mind. I'm doing my fucking thing right here. That's not possible without meditation because without meditation, I am my mind, I am my thoughts, I am my feelings, and they become who I am as I operate into the world. And so then I'm at the mercy of and um, really pray for whatever feeling happens to come up or whatever thought happens to come up. So the meditation for me that I want to leave you with, no matter what brand you practice, is a meditation that you begin to live your life with and living a contemplated life where you have that witness perspective all the time, or at least that's what we're going for. Thank you. Where there's always a sense of, oh, I'm kind of observing the things that are happening now and much less a victim. That's going to free up RAM in your fucking brain to complete your mission, whether that's professional, personal, being a parent, having a great relationship, whatever it is. Float tanks. Is Mike in here today? Okay, well, Mike's a member or has been. I'm sure you guys know Mike. Uh, Got a great float center in Pasadena called Just Float, and it's one of the best I've been to, and I've been to them uh, in quite a few places. This is an amazing uh, process, especially for someone who might struggle with meditation. I think of a float tank as sort of forced meditation. If you really surrender to the experience, you have the most 
profound flow state experience. If you can get, you know, over being wet and where you put your arms and your neck hurting and shit, water getting in your ears and all that stuff. But float tanks I find to be really beneficial for brain health and just general cognitive focus, creativity, because it's one of the only places you can really be free from your senses and allow not just your brain, but your consciousness, that consciousness that we're identifying with in meditation and carrying into your life. It's amplifying that and it's giving you the sense of what it's like to really live as a soul, not encumbered by the physical form. You're free. I mean, you're as free as you can get, maybe outside of psychedelics, which I'll cover briefly, but free from the body. Hence, you know, sensory deprivation. What senses? Well, ideally, all the senses are as many as we can shut down. Then I lose the identification with the body and allows the mind the freedom to run wild with creativity and with ideas. Now, the only drawback to float tanks, as far as I can tell, and then the same would be true of meditation, is that, well, not so much meditation, but definitely to float tank, you know, you can't have your phone in there to take notes. It'd be very difficult to have a notepad in there. I mean, I don't know, somebody needs to invent a waterproof notepad or something. Because I get my best ideas in the float tank. I'm like, this is fucking genius. I just remodeled my whole life. Get out of the float tank and I go, what was that idea? I was going to change the world. And it's just gone, you know? So I have to just trust, I guess, that, if those ideas come, that inspiration comes, that if it's meant to stick and meant to be activated, then it will you know, come back to me. But many of them don't seem to. So float tanks, really good for the brain. And then as I've been speaking about, I don't really need to cover this because we've been experiencing a little bit of it. And I'm sure you guys each subjectively have had the experience of just what moving the body and just getting a little breath into you does. I mean, Neil did a great breathwork session yesterday. And I was going, God, I'm jealous. I want to do this every time before I speak. Because when I do, it just it activates me. It just turns my brain on. And I'm sure there's biochemical explanations for this having to do with just oxygenation of the brain, A. But there really is something powerful to this. And I'm so happy to see that this is now becoming mainstream. I mean, it's really cool. It's great for me because I can be in an airport and, you know, like I was in the Long Beach airport a few months ago. I had my shirt off. I was over in the bushes. You know, I have this little outdoor area. It's a great airport. Don't tell anyone. I'm over in the, you know, not in the bushes, kind of over in the rocks, barefoot. I got my shirt off. I'm in the sun and I'm doing all my Kundalini breath work and stuff. And no one really bad in an eye, you know, for the first 10 minutes or so. Then a cop comes over and is like, excuse me, sir, we heard you're making a bunch of noise over here. And I was like, that's strange because I'm very silent. I'm just breathing, sir. He's like, are you on drugs? I said, yeah, I am. It's called oxygen. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> But this is becoming not so weird, which is cool. 15 years ago, I started to do breath work. I mean, I would never do it in a place where someone could see me because I would be you know, afraid of being judged or arrested. Cryotherapy and ice baths. So again, as in meditation, building that witness perspective is also possible when you're putting, and this would be true of you know, a cold shower, which I discussed yesterday, but this is putting yourself in a position to have dominion over your nervous system. Because what uses up, again, uses up energy of the brain is when your nervous system is threatened in your environment and you're trying to control that. And it's difficult to control when you get a parking ticket to not have this surge of anger or resentment or hostility or fear before a big meeting or whatever it is. If you can get in a you know 35 to 40 degree ice bath and use your breath, have control over your nervous system out in the world when you really need to conserve brain power and be effective and life comes at you as life does, the amount of resilience you have is absolutely incredible. I mean, some of the shit that happens in my life, just life stuff, 
I'm astonished by the fact that I'm just sort of like, oh, that's interesting. I just cut myself or, you know, dropped a 25 pound thing on my foot or whatever. I mean, breakups, big things. Sometimes I'm actually shocked with my ability to stay calm and have some degree of equanimity, even in a time of trial. And I have to attribute it, of course, to meditation, as I mentioned, but also into cold exposure. When you get in a cold ice bath, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, what does your body want to do? Your body wants to fucking panic. Your body wants to protect itself and create energy. So it wants to go... (laughs) I mean, every newbie I bring in an ice bath, they do that the first time. And I go, man, just breathe. And they're like, you're fucking crazy. But I'll get in an ice bath, and this is after a few years of practicing it. And you know, I'll, I'll get, a, I'll talk, I'll do Instagram lives, like holding my phone in the ice bath, just to see how chill I can be and like show off, you know. And I'll get in, I go. Actually, my voice will kind of quiver for the first couple of sentences, and then I just breathe, and I realize I'm in control of this shit. I'm at the mercy of my environment and my life experience to the degree that I allow my nervous system to be at the mercy of it. So when it comes to focus, when it comes to creativity, when it comes to completing projects, to writing goals, remaining focused, ice baths and cold exposure are really effective because they teach you how to manage your nervous system, be in control of your environment. They allow me to resist checking my emails when I know there's going to be some disturbing stuff. And I'm like deep in Evernote, making a big document that doesn't want to be interrupted. So a lot of this stuff doesn't seem related, but as you start to practice it and implement it into your life outside again of the ice bath, just like outside of meditation, how can I take that same sort of tenacity and determination and self-control out of the ice bath into life? You know, that thing when you're in the fight with your, with your partner and you're like, and that thing almost comes out and you're like, pause. <laughs> and you hold it back. Doesn't that feel good? Versus when you're like, you, fuck, you know, and it comes out and you're like, ah, reverse, reverse, reverse. And you can't put it back. You can't take it back. That's from having a lack of control over your nervous system. Another great one is any kind of inversion you can do. Again, going back to yogic traditions, headstands, handstands. I have a thing called a back revolution, I think it is. You kind of lock your knees into it and you hang upside down. Inversion tables. If you're ever having what would be considered a mild anxiety attack or even as far as a panic attack, you would be amazed at what happens when you just hang upside down or stand upside down for as many minutes as you can stand it. Oftentimes what happens in a panic situation is, you know, of course, in the fight or flight response is all your blood starts to leave your extremities and go into your internal organs and your brain actually gets deprived of oxygen and you start to feel overwhelmed and unable to think. This happens when you, you know, for men, especially when you, it's a hormonal thing too, but when you get in an argument and you get emotional, you're like, I don't even understand what we're talking about. You know that feeling? You're really confused. You can stop that from just going upside down. You can also do it doing something called the Tahiti pose, which is where you lay on your back and you just put your, your calves up on a chair. And just getting the blood to all come from your legs, where there's such huge muscles, back into your core and back into your brain, and just doing some slow, deep breathing will calm you down and get you out of that excited state, back into a calm, focused state. Binaural beats, really great hack, especially if you find meditating hard, use technology that helps you manage brain waves. You know, so much of our behavior and the way that we feel and interact with the world is controlled by neurotransmitters and controlled by brain waves. But many of us don't know that there are hacks where we can control those things ourselves. And so using binaural beats and different technologies, some of which I have out in the hallway, 
uh, are a great way to actually manage stress and increase your focus. There's apps you can get. What's the, oh, my friend Elliot's not in here. I have an app on my phone. Actually, it's called Brainwave. And what's cool about it is it has a little mixing board and so you can mix in ambient uh, recordings of natural sounds. Um, I think, who was it? Was it Jack that was talking about um, having a fountain? Maybe it was us last night. He was talking about waterfall. Yeah, waterfall. And hearing that sound and the uh, negative ions that are produced by that. Well, the app's not going to produce negative ions, but I'll run the whoa, 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 the binaural beats, and then I'll turn up a river, rainstorm, waves, a natural sound. You can also uh, include, I didn't put it in there, but you can include the essential oils, diffusing essential oils, or even just putting essential oils in your hand and breathing them, especially the evergreen oils. Even, even rosemary is a great one. Rosemary has been proven to um, in, uh, affect your level of joy and focus. It's crazy. So even just you know getting a natural auditory input or an olfactory input is really important as well. These little things, you know, just little things you can sort of incorporate piece by piece. You don't have to do them all at once and, you know, become neurotic about it like someone I know has been at various times in life. But what I've done is just sort of add these things incrementally. I go, oh, essential oils. And I read a little study. And go, okay, it's not woo-woo bullshit. There's something to that. When I go in the woods and I smell pine trees, it makes me feel pretty good. Well, if I can't get in the woods, I can turn on a diffuser and put some, you know, various evergreen type oils in there. I go, wow, it smells like I'm in the woods. If I'm not near a creek, well, I can play a recording of a creek and get at least a facsimile of that benefit. And so again, you know, my thing is always getting back to nature or as close as I can. And all these devices out there that you see, I mean, they're just kind of gimmicks and toys and tools. And some of them are very effective, some of them less so. But what they all do is kind of incorporate some elements of nature and allow you to harness that without having the ability to go, you know, live in the middle of the woods in Idaho. So binaural beats, awesome. A device out there that I have that I love, I just interviewed, um, he's not the inventor, he's the CEO of the company. They're called Fisher Wallace. And this is the one I mentioned earlier that I learned about from Rick Rubin. It's called the Circadia. There's two models. One's FDA approved, one's not. They're both exactly the same as the inside scoop. It's just that you have to have a prescription to buy one of them because it's the FDA approved one. Same technology in the Circadia does not require um, a prescription. You just can order it right online. And this is cranial microstimulation. So you guys remember electroshock therapy? You want to induce a, a serious change in a human being? That's one way to do it. Well, you can also induce changes in terms of your neurotransmitters by introducing a microcurrent of stimulation, which is completely safe and non-invasive, to your temples. And something like that, if you're having a day where you're experiencing brain fog or you can't focus or you have a lot of anxiety... You can use something like this for 20 minutes and completely change your state. It's like 500 bucks, but a really good piece of technology. Also, um, clinically proven and FDA approved, and not that I you know, trust the FDA, but you can't make medical claims unless you're able to prove something. This doesn't just treat insomnia. It cures clinical insomnia, legit. Now, I don't know if that'll work for everyone in the room that might have insomnia. There could be other core issues that are at the root of your insomnia, but that's pretty huge to be able to make that claim. Because I know when I interview people, oftentimes if there's someone that sells a device or a supplement or something, they can't say shit. I'll say, so does this um, heal this or cure that? And they're like, I can't say that. I interviewed this guy's like, yeah, here's the study, here's the study, here's the study, cures insomnia straight up. Same thing for neurofeedback, which I think is in here somewhere. Um, curing PTSD. 
Oh, there it is. Ta-da. <laughs> Neurofeedback. Oh my God, amazing. Now I've done a few different protocol. I did the Dave Asprey 40 Years of Zen, which is a very specific protocol. Um, I did that when they had a clinic in Sedona. And this is a week-long thing where every day you're in there for it's like 14 to 16 hours. You're in a dark room. You're alone. You can't have a cell phone. You can't have a clock. You don't know where the fuck you are. There's no windows. Very weird experience. And they're upregulating alpha waves, specifically in that training. He still does it. He built a new clinic in Seattle. I'm sure it's um, vastly improved. I think it was ten dollars or $15,000, um, not for the faint at heart. However, there's a place that I go to now in LA called Peak Brain Institute. Uh, their Instagram, I think, is Peak Brain LA. They're right here in Washington and Sepulveda. Dr. Andrew Hill, someone that I also interviewed. And in that interview, I was like, I know you probably can't say this cures this or that. And he's like, oh, no, we can say that. Here's the studies. Uh, ADHD, anxiety, depression, insomnia, PTSD, neurofeedback's amazing. I don't have time to explain what it is. I'm sure some of you have heard of it, but essentially uh, you're putting sensors on your, your uh, scalp that are sending signals to a computer. That computer is then sending certain um, stimuli to a screen that you watch. And then the way your brain behaves and the signals your brain emits interacts with the technology and sends information back to your brain. So it's a feedback loop in the sense that your brain can see your brain. And I don't know of anything else in nature or otherwise that allows your brain to watch your brain your brain to interact with your brain and your brain to train itself. It's fascinating stuff. Very effective for a number of things. Again, if you've addressed the core issues, if you have really bad leaky gut, I mean, you're going to have brain fog and this is not going to do shit for you. You got to address the leaky gut. So again, you know, this is kind of stacked modalities that you use based on finding what the root cause is. Uh, I was using neurofeedback a while ago to really work on sleep. That's the first thing I said, Show me the bells and whistles. I went in for a QEEG. They looked at my brain. They saw a couple issues. Nothing crazy. I don't have ADHD or ADD or anything. But they said, uh, well, what are you working on right now? Do you want focus? And I said, you know what? Honestly, I think my focus would be a lot better if I got really great sleep. He said, no problem. Tune me up. I did like two sessions. What I was having a problem with actually wasn't sleep onset. I'm great at that. I can fall asleep right here. It's waking up. I don't care how many hours I slept. I feel like brain dead when I wake up and I'm just so groggy. Did like two sessions, woke up the next morning at 7 a.m., like hop two. Yes, sir. What are we doing? It's crazy effective. Very cool. So anytime I start falling back in a weird cycle, I'll go in for neurofeedback. But it's one of the things it's most effective for is for focus. So if you're someone that you know has a tendency to drift off and you've been addicted to your phone and that's starting to damage your mind, well, there's behavioral changes you can make, obviously. Rehabituate yourself to not do things that are deleterious to your brain function. Obviously, but you can also do some things to catch up to where you were or even improve where you are. Neurofeedback being one of them. Uh, in training brainwaves, there's a device called the Biocharger. I just used it um, at the Tony Robbins event. I'd forgotten about this thing. <laughs> I'm glad it's Jack in here. Good. Okay, we can, get, we can talk about this shit. <laughs> but the amp coil and the Biocharger, you can use for a number of different things. But one of the things you can use them for is brainwave entrainment. So these use uh, different sound and vibration frequencies, Tesla technology, Rife technology. And depending on what frequency you send into your body using these very powerful, powerful fields, you can absolutely induce a brain state. So if you were in an acute anxiety situation, a depressive uh, situation, inability to focus, there are quite expensive ones, 8,000, uh, the amp called a biocharger, I think is 14,000. So they're, they're not, you know, 
they're going to take away from the kid's college fund a bit. So you got to be well-heeled to get some of these things. But if you're a serious biohacker and you've got the funds, uh, these things are very cool to look into because it's something you can set in your office or your meditation room or even your living room if you're like me, a really weird-looking living room. I have to explain it to company quite often when they come in. But you can sit down for 15 or 20 minutes and completely change your state passively without doing anything except just sitting there. It's incredible. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Next is the Nano-V. That's something that's out in the hallway. Um, This I really like to use when I start to feel fatigued. What's happening is I'm getting inflammation. I'm getting oxidative stress just from being alive, from the blue light, from the you know things that I'm eating. I'm not that much of a stickler with diet. If you followed me around with a camera, you know, and like you would see me eating some shit you probably don't believe I eat. I just eat stuff that tastes good sometimes. You know, I'm a health nut. I'm into it, but sometimes I just got to cut loose and not be so controlling. So when I deviate off the path a bit, because I'm used to feeling so clear and on point, I really notice any deviation because there's contrast now especially having been someone, as I said, that was like really shut down for a long time. The Nano-V is amazing because it's, again, it's a passive therapy. You just sit there, breathe in uh, what's an exclusion zone, water, vapor, really geeky stuff. What it does is it makes you feel refreshed and energized like you just took a nap without being stimulated at all. So you can be tired and pump up your adrenal glands drinking coffee. You can raise cortisol. You can do different things. This doesn't have any of those effects. It just reduces very quickly oxidative stress and free radical damage. Same thing goes for molecular hydrogen. So there's the tablets I told you guys about. There's the inhaler out there. And I think in the lunch break, I'm going to be out there for a bit. I got to do a recording, but you guys can come try that. This is another one, not stimulating, but very clearly wakes you up and makes you more aware and more focused without any of the side effects that come with some of the other things that you ingest. Also, making sure that you're eating a high DHA diet and that you're getting your labs done regularly and checking for vitamin D and magnesium. This has a lot to do with brain function. I mean, there's, of course, a number of other nutrients in your whole biological profile and nutrient profile has to be optimized. But these are some of the low-hanging fruit that you want to look at if your brain isn't working right. In terms of nootropics and smart drugs, now, I honestly feel that if I had you know, been born in... 1720 and been raised on natural foods out in the wild been a hunter-gatherer, I would never need to take any of this shit and I would just be super on point. But the fact is, I've abused myself a lot earlier in life. I've lived in Los Angeles in the middle of the city for 30 years. And I don't care how healthy of a lifestyle I have, there are some days where I'm just like, hello, is anybody in there? Wake up and I need help. When I fly, I need help. There's no way I could fly and have to get anything done on either side of the trip, especially coming back into LA. Now I have a reason perhaps uh, why that's happening without supplementation. If I have a hardcore project I want to get done, I can focus. I can get some shit done. I take some modafinil. You can't drag me away from my computer with wild horses. In fact, the three presentations I'm doing, including this one being the second, actually there was four, including the first one, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I was really busy before I went to Tony Robbins in Florida. I knew this was coming. There was no time to make my presentations. When did I make all four presentations? On a whole modafinil on the airplane back from Florida. Just I had no idea in my mind. I just I had to go back in my emails and look at what Pablo said he wanted me to talk about in each section. I was like, okay. 
banged it out, sent it to the graphic designer to put on slides, and there we have it. And I don't, it's not because I don't care about you guys and I didn't give a shit. I care very much, but I knew on that flight, after six days of doing, you know, if you've ever done date with destiny, like you ain't sleeping. I was trashed. I honestly don't believe I could have done that without some pharmaceutical help. Now, I'll cover modafinil first off. That's one people are curious about. And I always want to say, each of our own biochemistry is very unique. I've had friends that are like, oh, I want to focus and crush you know, my organized mind. This doing shit like this with modafinil. Go through your iPhoto, you know, like a whole uh, library, and you want to organize it and delete stuff. Like from 2007 to now, like try and sit down and do that without modafinil. <laughs> it's very difficult. So there's things it's very useful for. It's not very useful if you want to be like intimate and friendly and you know be in your heart space. It's not for that. It's when you want to like really, really be kind of wired and focus on something specific and not be interrupted. Okay. I'll also say that it's not good for everyone. It doesn't work for everyone. It's going to have a totally different effect. Uh, my business partner, who I think, you know, I like to compare, but she has a very healthy brain. We get off a plane. She starts working. She goes out to lunch. She's fine. And, I, you know, just the way I just watched her cognitive power and I'm like, oh my God, see, she's so sharp and just so productive and, you know, never did drugs and has led a pretty healthy lifestyle. And she's 10 years younger than me. So she's a person I'm around a lot in a work environment. I'm able to see like, huh, how come she can do that and I can't? But every once in a while she gets tired or something. She's like, oh, let me try that modafinil. She'll take a whole one, a whole tablet, 200 milligrams. And she's like, I didn't feel it. I didn't even notice anything. You know why? Because her fucking brain already works. I take a, yeah, seriously. I take a quarter modafinil and I'm like, eh, I might have to go to rehab. I'm like totally fucking wired. I, know I won't do caffeine with it. I mean, I have to be very like microdosing of modafinil. Just different brains behave in different ways. I've given it to friends like, oh, I was so happy. I took it, I went to a party. I was living the dream. Other friends are like, I felt great that night. Next day I was suicidal. So like, it's a pharmaceutical drug. One thing I can say about it from an anecdotal perspective is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm like clinically sober guy. I don't do things that get you intoxicated, right? I mean, I say I push the limits a little bit because I do microdose psilocybin. I do some other things that like a classically sober person would probably be very afraid to do, but I'm 22 years in. I feel pretty confident about the fact that I don't ever want to be a heroin addict again. I'm not going to do anything that's going to lead me down that path. Modafinil, though, I have to say... Um, I honestly believe it's clinically impossible to get addicted to it because I know that I have a chemical makeup that I can get addicted to anything. I'm completely addicted to caffeine. I mean, there's no way I could not drink coffee. Jack's like, coffee's bad for you. I'm like, well, too bad because I ain't fucking quitting coffee. That's not going to happen. And just, you know, just throughout my life, I mean, whether it's cigarettes or just anything I touch that has any potential for addiction, physical addiction, I get addicted to it. It's just how I am. I just know that. I did enough you know, um, research and development on that. Modafinil is a really weird drug because it is stimulating, but not in the way that amphetamines are, like Adderall, crystal meth. Similar effect because you can focus, but it's not addictive in the same way. I don't know chemically you know, the difference in terms of um, you know, the profile of that particular compound, but I do know that it's something that I totally forget about for months on end. And with addictive chemical compounds for me, I don't forget that shit's in the house. I know what drawer it's in. I know how many I got. I know when I'm running out. I can't wait to take it again. I argue with myself if I'm doing it too much. Well, I could do it today, but I won't do it tomorrow. Play all these addict, addict games, you know? And modafinil, I'll forget about it for six months. I'm like, oh, shit. 
I was on a flight. Now I feel like crap. I could have taken a modafinil. What's that old commercial? Old guys remember? I could have had a V8. I'm like, I could have had a modafinil. So I would personally, and this is just for me again, you know, enter at your own risk. I would not worry about the addictive potential, but I would be concerned because it's, it's a pharmaceutical drug. You got to buy it with Bitcoin from India. I mean, you know, it's legal-ish. Yeah, and you can get a prescription if you have the right doctor that <laughs> believes your case. <laughs> now, let me, let me move it. I started with the most hardcore one. If you're like, dude, I've, I feel brain dead. I need serious help. Or again, you know, it's a case-by-case thing. I would never take modafinil every day. I don't feel like myself when I'm on it. I'm a little, ugh, you know, a little tweaky. I do want to say, though, out of all the different smart drugs, nootropics I've tried, and I've tried every single one I've ever heard of that seems relatively safe and sane, uh, my number one favorite that is also the most natural and most plant-derived and not synthetic is qualia. I know a lot of the guys in the room have taken it. That's my favorite one. I'm excited to try the new version they have, qualia mind, caffeine-free. Because it does have a bit of caffeine. It's got green tea extract and things like that. And if you stack it with coffee and, God forbid, with modafinil, you might get a speeding ticket. You know, it's, it's a little intense. But qualia, even just a couple, I just empty them in my smoothie. One of them, two, three, six capsules, depending on how much I feel like I really need assistance. And it's amazing because it's not that stimulating, but it really is great for creativity and flow and productivity and focus. It's one of my favorite things, and it's something I take most consistently. And then I'll close this slide with the racetam family, which is quite a broad spectrum of different compounds. But my very, the most popular paracetam, which is the most subtle and gentle of the racetams, again, these are, these are synthetic compounds. And then aniracetam is a little bit stronger. I love paracetam, especially when I have to speak. So almost every time I record a podcast, do public speaking, uh, do an interview, do anything where I need to have word recall, I'll take like a tablespoon of Prastam powder and just mix it up in water and pound it. It tastes very bitter, kind of like MSM, if you've ever had that. Uh, again, no research in terms of it being addictive. I haven't seen anything that it would indicate that it's harmful in any way, that it's dangerous, especially Prastam. But it has no real effect for me other than the fact that I have amazing word recall and it just really improves my ability to communicate verbally. I mean, it's uncanny. It's very noticeable. Again, my brain's different than every brain in the room. So you might take it and be like, I feel nothing. You might take it. My boy, Elliot, real sensitive. He tries some of this shit and he's like, I have anxiety. Everything I do gives him anxiety. For me, I feel calmer on paracetam because my brain feels like it's firing on all cylinders. <laughs> Those aren't as um, shady as modafinil, paracetam, all the racetam families, relatively easy to get online. There's a site called uh, Nootropics Depot. They test for heavy metals. Uh, they have third-party lab testing for purity because all this shit comes from China. It's really sketchy, but you can see their lab reports. I mean, it seems trustworthy to me because, you know, when you're talking about a synthetic compound coming from a country that's not very regulated in terms of manufacturing, it's potentially hazardous and toxic. So uh, I like to look for companies that really can show you the third-party verif verified testing. And um, that particular site seems legit. I've never had any adverse effects or reactions from any of the stuff they sell. Uh, microdosing. So I've not had any experience with microdosing LSD. That's a little bit too far for me personally. I've done a lot of LSD. And um, once Jared Garcia died, I kind of put that to bed. But that was something I did a lot in my youth, as well as mushrooms. I used to sell mushrooms on the black market. I got big five-gallon bags uh, or five-pound bags of mushrooms. And I would empty out my uh, big uh, cat food buckets and just fill them with mushrooms and 
had my scale and I was a great mushroom dealer. It was awesome. Only problem was, you know, as most drug dealers, dealers do, I, I tended to um, uh, eat my profits a lot. So I've had a lot of experience with mushrooms just to party and have fun and go to concerts and act like a freaking maniac. However, when I started seeing this microdosing trend, at first I was very skeptical because I don't like to feel high. I like to feel stone cold sober. That's the best high to me. And that's probably not for me. But then I started watching more interviews and seeing more um, clinical data and things that were supporting it, work cognition, creativity, et cetera. So I called a guy. I was like, hey, where can I get some shrooms? I got some shrooms. And then I got a digital scale and I weighed them because I really did want to microdose. I'm not trying to trip out. I don't like feeling high on psychedelics at all. It's the really, every trip is a bad trip for me. So I measured them and I studied, you're supposed to do one-tenth of a gram. So I'd measure a cap and I'd measure a stem and I, I know what one-tenth of a gram looks like now. So I started just eating them in the morning. You know, I'd eat, drink my smoothie, I'd just eat a little mushroom cap. And I felt amazing, really happy, very high empathy, really good around people, positive attitude, not high but just in a good mood, feeling good. And also mixing it with lion's mane extract. Then, this is, a, this is a word of warning. Then I went to an event in San Jose. And one day I was super tired and I had taken like a little cap or something. And so that later on, a couple hours later, I was like, I'm really tired. I know mushrooms used to make me feel awake. Now I don't want to trip, but maybe I just didn't take enough because I'm not really feeling how I usually feel on my microdose. So I took another one. Still probably... Uh, two-tenths of a gram, maybe. Not anywhere near a psychedelic, impactful dose. But sure enough, a couple hours later, I'm like going, huh, everything feels a little too loud and a little too bright. And I started feeling actually a little agitated. And I thought, this is weird. I'm just going to go to my car and meditate for a few minutes. I go to my car and just, you know, breathe. I close my eyes and I close my eyes and it's sort of like, you know, a little, not a lot, but a little fireworks. And I was like, fuck, I did the, you know, I measured it. And what I realized is not all caps and stems have the same amount of psilocybin in them. They might be the same weight, but not the same amount of medicine, right? So then I did a little further research and what you have to do, or what I would recommend if you want to play in this realm is to get a, you know, your coffee grinder and grind them into a powder and then weigh the powder on a very sensitive scale and do no more than one-tenth or two-tenth of a gram. It's literally impossible. I mean, unless you were you know, three years old, it's impossible for that to get an adult high, period. But you will get cognitive effects if you want to give that a try. So that's not something I do all the time. It's like if I have them around, ah, I do it for a couple of days. It's, it's not, again, not potentially addictive in my opinion. Um, not a huge needle mover, but again, every brain's different and your brain's different on every single day. So if you're like, wow, you know, I really need to sit down and do some creative writing or do something that requires me to have easier access and quicker access to a flow state, it could be something useful. Uh, caffeine and ketones. I'm not really going to go into this. I mean, I think this is pretty off, uh, obvious. If you're someone who's had bulletproof coffee, you probably realize your focus is much better than it is if you don't, or at least if not better and quantify it in a different way, you could say it's more intense. And that has to do with the brain's ability to burn ketones for energy. I find that if I'm using glucose, as Matt was talking about yesterday, I'm much more kind of unfocused and jump from project to project and I'm much less focused than if I'm burning fat, which is burning ketones. And mixing the two, I find to be very effective. Uh, stop multitasking. This is something, and I'm like preaching, I'm like holding him up. Luke, stop multitasking. Multitasking kills your brain. It's the worst. I swear to God, since I've had a smartphone, my ability to focus has tanked by 50%. I mean, straight up. 
the more I ignore my phone, if I lock my phone in the other room, and I know Neil and I share this habit, and he talks about it a lot with you guys, so I'm sure it's not new. But if I just lock my phone away, my productivity and my focus goes up so high. Like every time I stop doing what I'm doing to check something else, I lose all this steam. I lose all this brain power. And then when I come back to the thing that I really wanted to get done, it's like, uh, it's like a struggle to get back into it versus just staying into the one thing for 20 minutes, setting an alarm, Pomodoro method, whatever you want to do, jumping on the rebounder for five minutes, coming back, keeping the goddamn phone, all the other windows closed and just jumping back into that thing. You actually get things done so much faster when you just don't do anything else. So you can stack each little project and be single focused and at all costs, avoid multitasking, even though for me, it's more fun to multitask. I feel like I'm in school when I lock myself in a desk and like "Eh," work on one thing. But the time it takes me to do that one thing is half as long if I don't fuck around. So I would look at multitasking as a really, really negative habit, especially I think if you're a man, the corpus callosum you know, the, the bridge between the left and right hemispheres in males is smaller. We've evolved to be single focused. And when we try to be multi-focused, um, as we've not evolved to be, it has a negative impact on our brain. Great discovery I found. Um, you guys know about the Pomodoro method. You set a timer, you do stuff for a certain period of time. I'm not really even that familiar with it, but I get the basic concept. Someone turned me on to focus at will. And focus at will is a focus tool that uses different music with different I don't know if it's binaural beats, but different sound frequencies essentially that help you focus for periods of time. And you do a little, it's like 10 bucks a month and there's a desktop app. You do a little personality test about how your brain operates. And then it gives an assessment as to uh, the tempo, the key of the music, the undertones of the music that's going to be best for your brain type or your personality type. And when you start a project, you click focus at will. I usually use like the classical music because it's the most sort of soothing and calming to me. And then at the end of whatever period you set it for, or that it sets for you based on your test, ding, it gets a ding. And that's a signal that it's time to jump up and move the body, go around the block, take the dog for a walk, have a break in focus, and then come back and set it again. So I was never able to do it like, oh, I'm going to set a timer on my phone for 20 or 30 minutes, work on this thing. Then when it goes off, stop. But my phone goes off and I'm like, ah, no, I'm in the middle of it. I find when the music stops, for some reason, for me, it's, it's, it's a stronger signal to kind of go, okay, cool, that song's over, and then do something else and then come back to it. So focus at will has been really useful for me. And uh, as I said earlier in my slides, I have this at the end of every one. A lot of guys were asking me again about the water thing. Which system should I get? All that. If you didn't get this, there's a free download there at lukestory.com forward slash 129 or the water guide, 444222. And then all the stuff outside, some of which were in my presentation that I just did, uh, that's all available at a download there. However, if you're like, oh, I want to try Qualia or the Racetams or any of the stuff that I talked about, as I said yesterday, I have a website store when most of those things I don't even have affiliates for. It's just easier just to send someone to my site than it is to go find the link and then email it to people. So if you go to lukestory.com forward slash store, a lot of that stuff will just be in there for convenience uh, to podcast listeners and stuff like that. Okay, so the question is, um, how am I taking the Qualia? Because at first, there was a Qualia 1 and 2. There was two steps, and you take one in the morning, and then these other ones later on after you eat. They don't do it like that anymore. Now they have one product. It's called Qualia Mind, and you take fewer capsules, 
And they all have everything just mixed in one. And they have a qualia mind with caffeine that I think comes from the green tea extract, if I'm not mistaken. And then a qualia mind without caffeine, which I'm eager to try, but haven't tried it yet. So it's super easy to take. I don't like taking a bunch of pills and capsules. So even though qualia tastes disgusting, it tastes like fish ass. I don't know what's in there that it has a very fishy smell if you empty the capsule. No offense to my friends at Neurohacker Collective, but it tastes disgusting. But that's why it's in a pill. So I just, I empty it out into my smoothies and almost any pills that I take, whether they be a tablet or a capsule, I just throw them in a really gross elixir in the morning with spirulina and all the mushrooms and all that stuff. And it's just, I just power it down. But I'm also someone that can drink really gross stuff. And I just, it doesn't bother me. It's just whatever. I don't really care about flavor, but that might be difficult for some people. So that's how I take the qualia and it hits you really fast. But here's the thing. If you take the qualia with caffeine before you meditate, it fucks up your meditation. And I, I know, I mean, I can absolutely feel it. If I have any caffeine before I meditate, I'm like, this is boring. How long do I have? I can't go and sink into that special place. Uh, I would also add to that, that if you find that you enjoy meditation, listening to something guided like that and sounds and voices and all of that, like I'm all, I'm for any meditation. I'm for a 10-second meditation doing anything. Anytime you stop doing what you're doing and give yourself that space to get in touch with who and what you really are, I'm a fan. However, having been someone that's done all of the apps and experimented a lot, the most profound change for me in terms of getting benefit from meditation was getting taught by a teacher. Spending four days with the teacher, getting a technique, getting a practice where I have something that I actually do. There's a how and there's a why. There's a big why, which is, well, I'd like to have more consciousness in my life, but there's a why do we meditate in this way? Why am I saying the mantra? Why do I sit in a certain posture? Why do I uh, put the environment the way that I do it, et cetera? And as I said uh, in my talk yesterday, what's worked for me is called Vedic meditation. When I learned that, my teacher's name is Jeff Kober. I've interviewed him on my podcast. Uh, he's also an actor. I think the podcast title is like, because he's on The Walking Dead or was, um, it's like The Walking Dead and Spirituality or something like that. But Jeff Kober is amazing. And it's, it's like a thousand bucks for your four-day meditation. And there's Vedic teachers all over the world. I mean, you could find them wherever you live. You don't have to go with him, but I, he's my favorite. I'm biased. And then you sit down with that teacher. You have four sessions over four days and they give you a practice. Like it's my practice. Do you see what I mean? It's been handed down, of course, through you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years, this particular practice using an, uh, a mantra, which again is a sister technique to TM which I'm sure works in, in much the same way. Uh, Vedic meditation does not have an organization around it. It's not like a corporation. So there's, it's not monetized in, in a hierarchy. It's monetized by you pay your teacher so they can keep teaching, but no one else is involved in the transaction. So once you get over that, like, wait, why should I pay for something spiritual? Well, if you don't pay for the meditation teacher, you won't value the teaching. A, I don't value shit I get for free very often. I mean, a little bit here and there, it depends, but not something like that. But if I got skin in the game, I'm like, shit, I just paid a thousand bucks for this. That really helped me to implement my meditation practice because I'm like, I'm not going to waste that money. So I'll say the apps and all that are great. But for me, if you want to take it to the next level, you need something that doesn't require anything except you, your breath and your consciousness that you can take anywhere. And when you have a meditation like that, where you can really drop into that transcendent place for me, it's very um, incentivizing to do it. When I learned how to do it, I immediately started doing 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, and I rarely deviate. There was a few months where I lost the afternoon one. It kind of, ah, I lost the grasp of it. And then I was like, fuck, I don't feel as good. 
And I used a little bit of discipline, a modicum of discipline to get it back. And now it's always there, you know, unless I'm here today and I'm doing something at 6 p.m. But my closing advice on meditation would be find a teacher and get trained, get your own technique, your own practice that you can take with you anywhere. And I would venture to say, once you learn how to do it, it just becomes more enjoyable all the time to the point where it becomes something you would never sacrifice at any cost. Oh, CBD. You know, it's funny. When I interviewed Jack Cruz last night, I was I did a little lightning round at the end because, you know, he's obviously very extreme in his views. He's very, you know, he's like in or out, black and white. So I was like, all right, I wonder what he's going to say. I said, what do you think of CBD and cannabis? He's like, it's great. I'm all in. It's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I was actually surprised. I actually asked him about microdosing too. I was like, great. Love it. Tons of research. I was like, wow, totally not expected. I was like, what about modafinil? <laughs> Deuterium. Uh, <laughs> CBD, here's the thing, you know, there's trends that come and go, right? So when I got started in the mid-90s, it was all about infrared saunas, colonics, making your own kombucha, and juice fasting. That was it. You know, you drink like fucking 40 ounces of carrot juice every hour. Like that was the health trend. So I've seen so many things sort of come and go. Um, one of the things that emerged a few years ago was the medical use of cannabis. Now, I'm talking about cannabis that has THC, the psychoactive version of the plant. You have a hemp plant, you have a cannabis plant. And I started hearing about this underground treatments for cancer and things like that, which were proving to be very effective, like, you know, mega-dosing THC, oils and things like that, extracts. And so I thought, well, there's got to be something to that. There's too much buzz in the underground about it for it to just be a fad or people just having an excuse to get high. Then came what we see now is this CBD phenomenon. And I take CBD products. There's one that advertises on my show. I like their stuff a lot. They're called Cured, uh, Cured Nutrition. They're out of Colorado. Organic hemp grown in Colorado. I like it. When I take the CBD by itself, though, not from the cannabis plant, from the hemp plant, I can't honestly say that I notice anything. I just look at some research papers and I go, okay, it's good for inflammation, helps you sleep. It's good to calm your nervous system. I'm in. But I don't take CBD and be like, oh my God, I feel amazing. So from that perspective, not a huge needle mover in my life. Here's the interesting thing. I interviewed another guy, uh, Brian Chaplin, who's got a company out of Tahoe called Medicine Box. And he makes medicinal cannabis, psychoactive cannabis extracts for the dispensary industry, right? Uh, which is, his aren't even, I don't think necessarily geared toward getting high. They're more geared toward medical applications. And what he told me, which was interesting in it, it just makes sense again on a fundamental sort of natural law perspective, is that a hemp plant is different than a cannabis plant. And chemically, it's a much more simple. The, the cannabis plant is a lot more complex in terms, of, in terms of all the different terpenes and things that are present. And his theory was, and I don't know if this is backed up by anyone, but again, it made sense just common sense wise, is that when you're using extracts from a cannabis plant that do have the THC, which would require you to go to a dispensary and not, you know, your local health food store online where you can get CBD in most states, or maybe all of them now, is that the CBD is missing some of the compounds that make it work, which includes THC, but not just THC, a bunch of the other terpenes and oils and things that are present in a cannabis plant. So the thing that I do find the most effect from is from cannabis extract oil. And the one I use is Medicine Box. My friend, every time I go to Tahoe, he just gives me a box of it or we do a trade or something. And I use that in a microdosing capacity because again, I really don't like to feel high. I like being here. 
Um, so I use it before bed for sleep. And I do sometimes just a couple drops under the tongue in the morning. And I know the, uh, how full I can get the dropper without having any sense of feeling it because I don't want to feel it. But I find definitely with that, um, tr- based on tracking my sleep, hugely improved sleep. But that's not the CBD, that's the cannabis oil that has CBD oil in it and also THC and all of the other natural compounds. So it's extracted from a flower, from a bud, rather than from the leaves of a hemp plant. But I think it's all good stuff. And I, I look forward to hemp being legalized across the fucking world. It's an amazing plant that has a multitude of uses and would solve so many environmental issues and waste and plastic and everything. So it's the most absurd law. Well, there's many absurd laws, so I can't name one because there are so many bad ones. But a government agency stopping a human being from putting a plant in their body, to me, is just fucking wrong. So I'm fully on board with all things cannabis and hemp. I just don't choose to use it like recreationally, personally. Although I used to. <laughs> I grew up on Cheech and Chong records, man. I loved weed. <laughs> That's probably why I'm like still a fan from afar, you know? You know, what, cho- what made me chose, uh, choose Vedic meditation was really just the attraction... <laughs> this might not be the right word, the attraction to my teacher. That's, that can be a problem. You have know, yeah, like the, the guru that has a harem of you know, spiritual seekers around them. But it was really Jeff Kober, man. He's just, he's a fucking chill guy. Period. I met that guy and I thought, he doesn't look vexed by much at all. You know what I'm saying? I just looked at him like, that's a guy that's not very disturbed by much. And now that I've you know, gotten to know him and he's, I guess you could say my spiritual mentor, For a few years now, I mean, I've seen him go through health problems, relationship problems, all sorts of stuff. And he's just like, it's all good, man. It's the way it is. It's like, are you, is that really you? Like, what about when no one's watching? Are you that guy? He's that guy. And he attributes, you know, 90% of his ability to respond to life and not react to life in that way to his meditation practice. And that's been my experience too. So it was the fact that um, I believed that he walked his talk, and I saw his energy. You know, his energy field was calm and centered and grounded, and he wasn't flaky and woo-woo and like, uh, meditate. I mean, he's a fucking man's man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's a guy I could like look up to and respect. Conscious, conscious man, but a masculine man that's very centered and grounded. The kind of guy that I go, that's a guy I could look up to and I want to emulate. Someone that's doing good in the world and is kind, but is also strong. And so... Meeting men like that, which for me is quite rare that I meet a man, unfortunately, that is older than me that I can really look up to in that capacity as a mentor uh, kind of figure. That was what really attracted me to that meditation. And, you know, hopefully I've been able to glean some of those benefits myself. And I think that I have, you know, of being strong, but also being malleable. You know, that's the, that's that balance. That's the Tao. It's like having strength and, you know, having integrity and being who you are and standing for who the fuck you are but also having kindness and compassion at the same time. And that's what he had. And I said, if meditation helps you achieve that, I'm in. All right, you guys, man, thanks so much for uh, joining me for another talk. Super fun. Thank you. Well, we made it through another episode of Lifestylist Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this very special bootleg broadcast. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just take a wild guess that after listening to this live presentation that I did about brain health and becoming smarter, having better memory, more productive, more focused, etc., that you want to pick up on some of the things that I happen to mention that come out of my own personal arsenal and uh, things that I use as my strategy. Well, guess what? 
you're in luck because if you go to lukestory.com forward slash store, that's lukestory.com forward slash store, you will find just about everything that I ever talk about related to health and wellness in general, um, all linked there in one handy place. That's lukestory.com forward slash store. Another cool thing about my store is that in most cases, I'm able to offer exclusive discounts. So if there's anything that I talked about uh, during this episode or any other episodes or things I post on social media, I get so many questions for people that ask me, hey, where can I find this thing or that thing? I'm like, dude, it's all at the store. That's why I made the store to make my life easier so I don't have to answer so many questions and to make your life easier so you can just go to the store and that's where I've got all my links. You know, you got to understand when I say store, I don't sell anything. I just have a list of links that are all very um, conveniently categorized. So if you want to work on EMFs and jet lag or sleep or um, fitness, outdoors, whatever, I forget all the damn categories, but there's a bunch of them. And if you go to lukestory.com forward slash store, you can find just about everything you need to make your life awesome. Speaking of making your life awesome, one thing that totally sucks about life and is not awesome, and that is the effects of travel. So I've become so annoyed with flying and taking road trips and traveling around the world to have fun, see family, see friends, do business. Uh, And I just get completely devastated when I travel that I actually made a complete online class. I'm in the process of making it. It's called Biohack My Travel, The Jet Lag Solution. And it'll be my first online offering. And I'm really excited about it. If you're excited about it too, here's what you do. Go to lukestory.com forward slash travel and get on the wait list. That way you'll be notified right away when that thing comes out. That's lukestory.com forward slash travel. If you want to just text me, you can text me if you have a US phone, text the word biohack my travel. That's one word, biohack my travel to the number 44222. And you can opt in to get on the wait list for that class too. And that, my friends, I think does it. I'm uh, I'm really excited to bring you <laughs> the 5G apocalypse show with Jack Cruz next Tuesday and a bunch of great shows to follow, man. I've been recording some of my dream people. I've, I've actually kind of stopped booking people that request to be on the show for the most part because I'm, I'm cherry picking 2019 all of the people that have been on my personal list. I had to kind of get selfish and put my foot down. I get approached by a lot. I'm not trying to sound like I'm badass or brand new. I just, you know, the show's grown. I get approached by a lot of people that want to be on it. And some of them are very talented and amazing, but I just say no to 99% of them because I have my list. I want to record with my people, goddammit. And um, Jack Cruz is one of them, and there are many others coming. So I don't want to blow the surprise, but I think you guys are going to be very, very uh, excited and happy to know um, some of the upcoming guests. I've got some great shows coming up. I'm very pumped about 2019 in general. So many great things happening. Um, And I think that's it, my friends. Make sure to share this episode with a friend. Please subscribe so that you automatically get the downloads and I don't have to remind you every week. And until we um, speak again, I'll be here holding it down on the Lifestylist Podcast. My name is Luke Story, and I thank you for listening from the bottom of my heart. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.